Creative Babble. So, John, we have another bonus episode this week. I am actually, I drove to Charlotte, North Carolina to meet up with Frank Perry, who's an attorney. He's a CPA and a certified fraud investigator. And this is a guy who coined the term red collar criminal. Have you heard of this? Um, I had heard of it briefly and and kind of explain it. It's like an overlap between a white collar criminal and a violent criminal or something. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I thought at first, actually. But, you know, I, I covered this on pretend. So people may have already listened to those episodes. But a red collar criminal is actually a subset of a white collar criminal. So it's not that it's a Venn diagram of where you have like a white collar criminal and then a, a murderer. And that makes them a red collar cr- criminal. According to Frank Perry, a red collar criminal is somebody who murders you or, or commits an act of violence in order to conceal their fraud, right? In, in order to prevent being caught. So that is a very specific definition of a red collar criminal. And Frank Perry, he wanted to talk to me about the Murdoch case to, to find out, you know, hey, is, is the Murdoch case a red collar crime? Like, what do you think? Without talking to Frank Perry, what do, what do you think about the Murdochs and and did he murder his family in order to conceal his fraud? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting with Alex Murdoch. Um, I mean, you've got a number of murders and deaths around him. But when it comes to his family, it certainly looks like that was done to cover up uh, many of the other crimes that he had uh, done over his lifetime. However, there may have been other deaths, whether they were murders or he contributed in some way that were furthering and perpetuating his fraud. So, I, I mean, he was a very multifaceted, is a very multifaceted criminal in that uh, he pretty much had it, uh, his tentacles into everything. But it certainly sounds like uh, he fell, falls well within the uh, red collar criminal arena. Yeah, I think so, too. And I haven't talked to Frank yet. I'm talking to him tomorrow, but we'll play my interview with him after the break. So I'm here with Frank Perry. He just got done doing a four-hour seminar workshop on red-collar crime and the signs that we and traits that we need to look for as fraud investigators. But, you know, I traveled over here because I really wanted to talk about something that's in the news this week, which is the Alex Murdoch case in South Carolina. Would you consider Alex Murdoch to fall under the category of red-collar crime? Uh, I would have to say... Uh, in looking at the facts of the case, it's unclear, and I want to explain why I say that. First of all, when we think about red-collar crime, we have to understand that they are a subgroup of white-collar offenders who resort to violence because of the fear of detection and or disclosure of their fraud schemes. So we have to understand that the definition of it and that their motive is to silence those individuals who might expose their fraud schemes. In this case, is it possible Yes. Now, when I say why I say yes is because my understanding is is that the wife who was murdered, it was rumored that she was hiring a potential forensic accountant to back into what he was doing. Now, if that is something that was known to the husband, Alex, that could have triggered a homicidal motive for him. If that could be established then I would have to say then it is highly possible that once he learned of what his wife was doing, that he killed her for those reasons. But in and of itself, we're not sure yet. 
However, if it was affirmed, then I would classify it as a red collar crime for sure. Now, fraud was introduced at trial. It still it was unclear to me what was the purpose of introducing the fraud that predated the homicide. That was somewhat unclear to me. Um, often with white collar offenders who resort to violence, they think that because they were skillful in committing fraud, that they can superimpose that skill set into planning a homicide. In this case, he was caught. He was caught committing a homicide because he left evidence behind that linked the death of the child and the wife to him. And it wasn't that much evidence. I mean, he could have easily have gotten away with this. He could have easily have gotten away with this, but for the fact that more likely than not, his own arrogance into believing that he can get away with it is the reason why he did it. Often in red-collar crimes, but for a few pieces of, of information that the prosecution can use, many of them would have gotten away with, with murder, literally would have gotten away with murder, but for a few pieces of information. Uh, the fact that they don't have a criminal background, the fact that they're well-educated, uh, that they may be have, have good standing in a community, gives them somewhat immunity that they would be a potential suspect or they can or they can somehow cloak themselves in being a good person for example look at the charity that i've done things of that nature to deflect any type of suspicious from them but in this case the evidence of of his fraud and what has come to light especially now i believe it may have been a i'm not too sure who she was maybe a home caretaker yeah. who had died. She Apparently she fell down. She a fell fl- down the stairs. But my understanding is, is that he had taken out commercial insurance on the property, I believe a month or so prior to her death so that he could sue himself to get payment from her death. That is incredibly suspicious behavior. If in fact that were to be proven true, that he actually killed her to collect on the insurance policy, that is considered what is referred to as criminal enterprise homicide. Why is that? Because you have to kill the person to get the money, all right? Red collar crime or fraud detection violence, that offender may already have the money. The motive to kill somebody is to prevent the detection and disclosure of the fraud that they have committed. So it's not the same thing. So if, in fact, it was a criminal enterprise homicide, that would be damning evidence against him. But I don't know what the evidence is going to be in that case. And with the wife, uh, that's a different that's that's one in which we need a little bit more um, information that we may not have. But the fact that this that she was trying to get a forensic accountant and if he found out about that, that would be very, very telling. Often also what happens is that the child was also killed in this case. What often happens with red-collar criminals is that they will not only target people whom they are threatened by, but even people who they are not threatened by because in in a cold-blooded manner, they have to remove any witnesses. In this case, let's assume that the son wasn't there. It's very possible he may not have eventually killed her. But because he was going to kill his wife, 
and the son was there, he would have been an eyewitness. So in some respects, it's very possible he killed him simply in order to neutralize the threat that he would testify against the father. Right. So here you have a case where you have enterprise crime being committed, possibly, and then also a potential red-collared case. Yes. This is an example of those two concepts coming together. They are separate motives. But basically, you have different reasons of why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. And a motive is important because it can direct an investigation. And on the surface, Alex Murdoch is not who you would expect to be this cold-blooded killer, right? Because he has that cloak. He has a cloak of, he just has this cloak of, of that credibility. He, he was a part of a law firm that was a family-owned. He had roots in the community. So people are looking at this from the exterior and looking at perfection. Why would anybody with perfection want to, in a sense, uh, destroy all that tradition in the family history? You know, why, w- why would somebody go down that path? You know, I was listening to you during your workshop today, and one question that I had, you know, you described these, these offenders, regardless of socioeconomic class, regardless of stature in society or whatever, they lack the empathy and the human emotions that most of us have, right? So uh, most people cannot even imagine killing your spouse, killing your son, even just to uh, avoid detection, right we that's probably where the fascination comes with a lot of these cases it's it's like watching a ufo because it's it's alien to us right but here's my question so these people lack the emotions that most of us have they don't care about hurting the people that they love but they really are concerned about getting caught like that motivation is is very interesting to me because that seems to be the only genuine emotion that they have is that fear of getting caught well just to just to piggyback on what you're saying let's just take it from a primal perspective that sense of self-preservation okay it's like it's like an animal that feels trapped you said you said it today you said these people are like snakes they're muscle and with a nervous system and and that is the best explanation i've ever heard for these people if you're trying to understand them you're never going to get them to admit their emotions or or get them to admit how bad they felt in fact they might not even feel emotions when they're carrying this stuff out their muscle with a nervous system is is such a a clear way of expressing the coldness and consider this too javier and that is is that when people look at alex murdoch they see a certain veneer, the pictures, the wealth, the family pictures. If things are so perfect, why would the wife be considering divorce? Because you have to understand that people compartmentalize their behaviors and that the way Alex may have portrayed himself to the public, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way Alex portrayed himself behind closed doors in the house. And that if you were to have an honest conversation with the wife, and really ask her questions about what is he really like? What is he really thinking his guts? Okay? It can be very different than what he portrays to the public. Right. 
Well, Frank, thank you so much. I really enjoyed your presentation today. I, I hope all of you have listened to the Red Collar Killer series on the Pretend Podcast. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk with Frank in person because, uh, you know, over the last month we've, we've formed a, a friendship and, you know, he has so much experience in this field. And, and it's, uh, it, it was just a pleasure talking with you, man. And, and I and really I re- appreciate it. And I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time in your own way to educate people because you never know who you're going to reach out you never know who's going to listen to what you are doing and say and i have a circumstances that somehow feel similar to what what javier is saying on his podcast and i'm a little concerned yeah and we should we ought not forget the human element of how a podcast can actually be helpful. Well, and there's signs along the way that you could, as a, a potential victim, that, that you may have missed, right? And, Absolutely. and so like when you, when you read your book, you know, and, and, t- and the stuff that you talk about, and then when you listen to, let's say, criminal conduct or pretend as a whole, you start seeing these patterns emerge. And, and a lot of the stories are not different from the others, and, right? And, and that's a great point because often we don't have the language to understand what we're what we're observing we don't we don't have a template to understand the behaviors that people are displaying but if you educate people and they have an interest in it they can fill in those gaps and then it's not just necessarily just their own personal opinion they can actually base it on quality research and and what other people in the field have to say on this yeah. So. Well, Frank, thank you so much. Very good. Uh, this thank was you so awesome. much, Javier. And, uh, I hope everyone gets a chance to check out uh, Frank's book. I will post it in the show notes. All right, man. Thank, thank you. you. Creative Babble.